Well, welcome to another podcast of The Writer's Bookshelf with, of course, me, David Driver. And once again, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. This um, this edition, this edition of The Writer's Bookshelf, it's all about short stories. And I, I have got three. I've got three short stories to... Um, share with you. I've settled myself in to the uh, Gingerlicious Studios, all here, nice and cosy in Silsden. I've had a lovely cup of tea, and I've had one or two. In fact, don't tell, don't tell my better half. I've had one or two, or a little bit more than one or two, chocolate hobnobs. Good me, so I'm feeling really relaxed and um, so ready to, uh, ready, ready to start sharing the stories. I do like writing um, short stories. I think anyone out there who is starting their uh, writing career, well, if you started your writing career, I think it's a brilliant platform because quite obviously, um, quite obviously, you need a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's not like novel writing where you can um, you can pan it out. I don't, I don't mean pan it out in a in a in a in a bad way. I just mean that you can uh, you can have a few subplots and a few sub characters and take your story down to different alleyways and avenues and um you you can really go to town, you can have a strong narrative, quite a lot of dialogue and have sort of secondary characters and that sort of thing. You might get a sequel, you might get other stories, other novels out of it, should I say. But I think there's an art form to short stories and I've learned that short stories can be adapted short stories can extend or can be adapted and, and furthered into a novel it could also be a radio play or a play and it all it lends itself to uh, sort of honing your writing craft if you like and especially if you were to enter any um, competitions it could be 2,000 words 5,000 words and I think most people will agree if you, as I've just said, if you write in a novel, it's different. But if you've got to chop that down, if you have to chop down what you've been writing, lose a few descriptive words, cut down a paragraph by a few sentences, really sort of horns, horns your craft. And it drives, it does drive a strong, strong narrative um, and moves the uh, moves the the story forward. So I do like writing short stories. And I think if you are going to um, sort of go down that avenue, there's plenty of sort of magazines and online stuff, also, and and magazines online, magazines in print, and many many short story competitions. Um, I mean, some people may well think that short stories is um, is a little bit sort of schoolish, but but I don't think so. I think sometimes people might think it's it, it's something we did at school or it's a little bit childish. I personally think they're completely opposite. There's always a calling for um, short stories, and you may well get yourself in an anthology. It could be something horror, science fiction, a, a romantic story, historical fiction. You never know, and you just never know what is around the corner. Um, I have a couple of um, I have a couple of collections out this uh, in short story collections, and I'll share one with you. The title of the collection is "The Weird, Wonderful, Unique, and Unusual Lives of Everyday People," 
And I think the sort of inspiration behind this is, as the title suggests, something just that little bit unusual, a little bit out of the norm. We, um, we, we, the alarm clock goes, we get up for work, go to work, we might be retired, we're all people of routine. Could be saying, you know, there's, here's the milkman, there's a postman, the children are going to school, the bus is here. We know we are creatures of habit and you see people doing their everyday things. But I've sort of wanted to explore different avenues in this collection and think about, is it really, everyday for some people is unusual for others and that sort of thing. I'm a big fan of the Hammer House of Horror and the um, and tales of the, or should I say Hammer House of Horror Presents, not the Peter Cushion Hammer classic films of the 50s, 60s, that sort of thing. Um, and I also like Tales of the Unexpected, so I think influences come by that way. Um, this one, <clears throat> excuse me, this one goes by Moonlight Couple, and um, there's about eight stories in, in the collection, and it's... I quite like them. Got a little bit of a uh, little bit different takes, different takes on things. This one's called Moonlight Couple. Let's see what you uh, let's see what you what you make of it. And um, inspiration, really, I, I suppose from um, I, I just sort of think like little villages, little towns, terraced houses. You know what sort of goes on when people are asleep. Um, you know, some people are awake. <clears throat> and, and vice versa. So let's crack on with this one. Moonlight couple. Moonlight couple. There was no breeze. Trees stood tall and proud. And a full moon helped display a palette of magnificent autumnal colours. Nocturnal denizens came out to play. And did not hide or flee. When a young female danced and whistled along a path. Which brought her to a clearing in the woods. A young man walked briskly towards the clearing from the opposite direction. He was singing the words to the tune the woman was whistling. Both ran when they saw the other and embraced with laughter and kissing and kisses. Arousing each other, the couple stripped naked and made love several times in a wild, lustful manner. Breathing heavily, covered in sweat and leaves, they held hands and lay in silence. Rising to their feet, both enjoyed a short swim in the lake before dressing. A joke was shared, and they proceeded to walk towards the seafront of the town. Stopping by a row of cottages, the man jumped over the garden wall of the end property. He quickly returned with a wallet of money and someone watching from an upstairs window did nothing more than draw the curtains. Many couples and families walked along the seafront and the couple from the woods blended in with ease. Smiling, they shared a few laughs whilst reading the joke postcards. Changing a note into coins, the pair indulged in the arcade games. After about an hour, both checked the time and left the arcade. It was a clear night, and they took the time 
to sit and enjoy a little stargazing, holding hands, sharing private jokes. The man got to his feet and performed a dance which made his partner laugh out loud. She jumped up and joined in. The two people in love walked hand in hand to a pub they knew well. Inside it was full. The atmosphere was warm and friendly and the landlord knew them both by name. He served them the usual and they found a corner in the snug by the open fire. The landlord presented them with a food hamper when they won the raffle. After three more drinks, they left. Behind the counter of the fish and chip shop, the proprietor smiled. She indulged in a little conversation with the young couple she had recognised the moment she saw them. Plenty of salt and vinegar was applied and an extra half fish each was given free of charge with a wink and the supper was well wrapped. The only thing better than the smell was the taste. Both thoroughly enjoyed the seaside supper whilst looking out across the gentle waves. When they had finished, the man showed off a little by trying his luck with the newspaper wrappings and landed two baskets in the litter bin. It was only a short walk to the burger van, stationed at the top of the steps, which led down to the beach, and the young woman danced all the way there and hummed all the way back. She bought two cups of tea from the very overweight man, who always served there and loved to flirt with her. She always gave him four pound coins and told him to keep the change. He always smiled and magically made the money pass from one hand to the other when he performed the trick he had practised for years. After the hot drinks were finished, both took turns to look at the moon through the pretend binoculars they had made from the polystyrene cups. They found it hilarious and almost fell over with laughter. They looked at their watches, kissed and then started to make their way back to where they had come from. Other people were scarce due to the late hour. The burger man magician had locked up and gone home. The lights were off in the chippy, but the smell still lingered, and last orders had been called at the pub. The only light on, apart from the street lights, was that on the landing of the end cottage they had passed earlier. As they stopped briefly, the curtains moved, and when they had walked a hundred yards further, the light went out. As they reached the clearing where they had made love earlier, the couples kissed and spoke softly to each other. Both checked their watches and glanced at the moon. After a final kiss, they both vanished into thin air. When the sun rose the following day, the back door of the end cottage opened and the owner walked out into the yard. The early riser found a food hamper left on the stone flags along with an empty wallet. Taking them inside, 
the resident of the cottage made a nice drink of tea and enjoyed a bacon sandwich. The hamper was emptied, the wallet placed in a drawer and a diary was checked to see on what date the next full moon would fall. The date was circled on a wall calendar with a green marker pen. As other residents on the row of cottages turned on their lights and came down to breakfast, the owner of the end property locked their front door, got into their car and drove off to work, thinking about the moonlight couple and what they would leave in the backyard next time. Thank you for listening to that one. <clears throat> I do hope you enjoyed it. Just a random um, a random story. And um, Anyway, okay, this next one. Um, this next one is called... In fact, yeah, I've, I'm just looking now. You can tell I'm sort of... I, no, I'm going to stick to my original plan. I've got three, and I was, going to, I was going to change the order. But I'm not. This next one's called For Sale. And I think really the, this one is, is very much influenced um, by Tales of the Unexpected and Hammerhouse um, Horror Presents. It's, um, it has a dark theme, and I, I think it could happen anywhere. It's just a case of... Uh, that sort of old house that possibly we all dream of, possibly not what we think <clears throat> it is. So let me um, let me just see. Yes, okay. <clears throat> this one's called this one's called for sale, and I do hope you enjoy this one. Voices. That's all I hear. Voices. Calling out, whispering, suggesting, asking, teasing. Haunting my mind, twisting my thoughts, draining my sanity. This cacophony of icy, menacing sounds invades when I should be resting. Resting peacefully within the sheets, charging my batteries for the next day to come. Shadows, that's all I see. They too call when the sun leaves and the darkness is cast and allowed to play. Shapes form from the blackness. Twisted, hideous faces distort into indescribable contortions. Black, emotionless eyes stare. Bottomless wells of foulness glare and burn into my very soul. So here I am again, tired and just wanting sleep. One night's sleep, that's all I ask. Please, I need to rest, awake and enjoy my life. My life, my life was good until last September. That's when I was promised, that would, that's when I was promoted and also earned a fat, juicy bonus. Easy money in the big smoke. New car and a trip to the countryside to find our dream home. It seems such a long time ago now. But I remember how it all began. The for sale sign almost jumped out and sat alongside me in the passenger seat. I had to stop and take in the view. 
The iron gate sitting within the stone wall looked perfect, although it did need painting. Stone slates were buttered with a light spread of moss, and chimney pots longed to exhale smoke once more. Leaded windows kept secrets. I longed to know. Worn mullions were furnished with ivy, and a proud oak tree stood guarding the west gable, beckoning, calling, drawing me nearer. The wooden door invited as I strode up the stone path. What delights waited inside. Open fires, beams, a cellar awaiting vintage wine, an arger, and much, much more. It was the house Trudy would love. It was the house where she could host parties. It was the house of our dreams. I wished at that moment she were at my side. But that's the downside of business. The downside of the professional couple. I was here, on home soil, holding the fort. And she was away, clinching a deal in New York. Hand and door almost connected, as I just had to touch and try. But there he stood. Mr Tackler, right at my side. Within minutes we were chatting away, laughing and joking, admiring the car, my new BMW. Mr Tackler asked me to follow him to his office to collect the keys. The two-mile journey seemed like twenty as I followed his Renault Clio, which maintained a steady twenty-eight miles per hour. Parking was easy. <coughs> I do apologise. Parking was easy. Other vehicles were scarce and the high street seemed half asleep. As I expected, the whole exterior and interior of the estate agents were both dated by 30 years. Didn't this man know it was the 21st century? Even the telephone was an unheard of yellow. Not much conversation came and soon I had the keys. Go, go, go on, go, go, he said. Take as much time as you like. I'll be here when you're done. Those were the only words Mr Tackler spoke. Without wasting any time, I sped back to the house in a third of the time. Breathless, trembling, I turned the key. Heart pumping, I felt like a child with a rush of excitement before their birthday. The heavy door belched open, accompanied with the cliché creak. Sunlight entered along with myself. Dust speckled, speckled the air and an unfamiliar scent lingered. Everything met my expectations and as I explored, nothing was less than satisfying. The stone fireplace stood proud along with several pictures. French windows divided myself and the classic English garden. Wooden and stone floors ran throughout the downstairs. A wry smile escaped as I entered the kitchen and the small snug longed for a comfy chair. 
as I transcended between floors. The oak staircase mesmerised me. Both bathrooms were pure relaxation, only missing candles and the master bedroom housing a magnificent four-poster bed just lacked the only woman in my life, Trudy. That was it. Nothing would change my mind. I had to buy this house. Locking the door behind me, struggling to breathe, I raced to my car. A pleasure doing business with you, young man. As Mr Tackler spoke, a satisfied gleam spread across his face. His hands rubbed together, then through his hair. He'd accepted my offer, said he'd contact the bank first thing Monday and sort things out. He trusted me, told me I was the right person for the house. Of all the business deals I had anything to do with, I'd never expected anything like this. In fact, all my previous business deals had involved hours of conversation and masses of paperwork. But before the boring part, clients would dine at the finest restaurants, sampled the finest wines, attended the West End shows and enjoyed the sights of the capital. But that's what people expect when they're willing to invest vast sums of their hard-earned money with you. A few weeks passed, the paperwork was completed, and I travelled between London and the country. Text messages and emails were exchanged, as Trudy was staying on in New York. But that didn't matter. <coughs> Excuse me again. But that didn't matter. It gave me time to get the house in some sort of order we'd have the perfect Christmas together. I began to work from home more and more, occasionally phoning the office. Late nights in front of the fire became a must, along with a whiskey. Menacingly, that's when it all started. The house became cold, regardless of the heating. Doors occasionally Jammed, shadows seemed to follow me and a constant presence watched as I lay beneath the sheets. As regular as clockwork, Tackler would drive past. Slowing down as he reached the house, he'd stare from the vehicle and then continue down the lane. Something watched me, some cold, malevolent being whose name or like I did not know. The one became two, and it became apparent that about eight or nine of them were ever present. I knew by the way the shadows moved, the voices, the way they controlled me in different ways. The first one slammed doors, moved objects, and occasionally danced across the wall in a shadowy human form. Things became worse. Cold water suddenly scalded me. Food went stale overnight. And welt marks appeared on my body as if I had been beaten during the night. Weeks passed. New horrors 
have arrived. Only certain rooms are accessible. Ablutions are permitted. But the shower burns after several minutes, signalling my time is up. Gifts rot on the back seat of my car, which is jailed within the garage. What welcome will Trudy receive when she returns to England? I anticipate banishment from the kitchen as I am now confined to the bedroom and bathroom. The 24-pack of assorted crisps and packet of chocolate biscuits, which I managed to smuggle back, are running low. My body is weak and the journey to the bathroom difficult. Confined to my bed, I can see the cars as they pass by outside. What evil dwells within this house? What secret is unknown to the rest of the world, hidden, only known to the locals? They too walk past, stop, glance knowingly up at the bedroom window, and then go about their daily business. The sign went up like a menu. Tackler was the head waiter, welcoming pleasant, taking my order. But I was the dish, served up to feed this ever-hungry stomach of evil and hate. How many more courses has hit it devoured? How many more innocent victims have suffered the same fate that would come my way within the next 24 hours? I'm too weak to do anything now. Even the pen is too heavy, so my thoughts replace words. They'll probably find my diary, but then again, maybe they won't. Maybe the next buyer will fall lucky and find it, read it, and tell of this village's foul secret. As my eyes gaze out from beyond my cell, the faces and voices have returned. Dancing across the walls, the grotesque images invite me to join them. I wish death would relieve me of my increasing madness. I've never been a religious man, but if there is a God, maybe he'll re reunite me in heaven with Trudy if she suffers the same fate. A large bearded man is outside waiting in a green van. Tacklers pulled up alongside him and they're sharing words. The two are standing, staring up at the window. Tacklers' hands are rubbing together. Another plate of flesh, bone and soul will quench the diner's cravings and that smile is back on his face as the bearded man opens his van doors. At each blow, at each blow, the sound of the hammer thunders through my mind and the distorted faces accompany with shrills of twisted laughter. The sign has been erected and once more the house is for sale. I hope that you <clears throat> enjoyed that one. So that is a different genre and we'll finish <clears throat> uh, 
on this one. We, might, we may finish. I do have... Well, I think we'll finish on this one. I do have a couple of poems, actually. Um, but we shall... We shall, we shall see. I've, I've, we'll see how it goes. This one is... <clears throat> it goes by the title of Rejected Redundant, Non-Returnable. And I do remember pinning... Uh, pinning? <coughs> excuse me. Penning this one. We went for a holiday down in sunny Wales. So it was in the sort of middle of nowhere um, in Wales. And I remember sort of penning this one. Um, and a few ideas that just came to me. And it's possibly more relevant now than when I first penned it. So let's see what you what you think of this one. Um, yeah, couple of couple of there's one or two naughty words in here, but I think we'll be okay with it. Okay, rejected, redundant, non-returnable. Seashell Jack enjoyed a warm cup of coffee as he looked out across the bay. Lighting a couple of candles, he sparked up a conversation with his best friend. Diesel boy. The conversation went one way, with Diesel just sat on the couch listening. But Seashell didn't really want to reply. He was letting off a little steam about better times. His eyes looked at the usual, the rusty bikes and other half-buried monuments of rotting iron, tyres, TVs, at endless bags of discarded household waste that were equal to a king's ransom if you were a beggar, tramp or outcast. Seashell Jack considered himself a mixture of all three. Another slurp of coffee was taken and the sixth day marked down in the little notebook he'd found about a week ago. It was the sixth day that the birds hadn't come. There was nothing left on the bones to pick, and there were plenty of bones to pick from. Whale bones, shark bones, dolphins, bones, you name it. It was all here, all lying on a floor of giant dry mud tiles. When the sea had decided to disappear, the seagulls had followed suit. Where are the seagulls? Jack thought. Just, just one. Just one, please. The weather was getting warmer and he had a whole wardrobe for that. Shorts in every colour. T-shirts with I love London, I love New York and just about I love whatever city emblazed across the front. Flip-flops, Sandals, sunglasses, sun cream and baseball caps sat in little plastic crates, all waiting to be worn. Seashell Jack wasted nothing. Everything had a use. Everything was recycled. Batteries were more common than the pebbles, so he had a constant supply for the CD player, along with his very strange collection of CDs that had been discarded. Those bastards up there! Those bastards up there! As he fondly referred to them, discarded most things, even humans. That's how 
he'd ended up down here. He was past his sell-by date, and therefore of no use. Who's going to recycle me and you? Seashell looked at his friend and continued. Who, I ask you? Maybe they could melt us both down and remould us both into something else. Who knows, eh? Who knows? With that, he blew out the candles and they both fell asleep. But Seashell didn't fall asleep for long. He never did when he wound himself up like this. He thought about the day society had cast him out because his business had failed. Was that his fault? He hasn't caused the climate change. He hadn't put a price and purpose on everything. There, there, those up there were supposed to recycle and look what they throw out. He found more tinned food down here than any in the supermarkets. Look! Look, Diesel! Diesel, quick look! A seagull! Jack looked out of the window. He couldn't contain himself. And then the two looked out of the window at the sight that the morning had brought. His heart nearly stopped as water, seawater, began to swirl and fill the bay. Five years' work would be put to the test. The knowledge from the no longer needed books. He'd welded the hull, repaired the engine, painted, polished and prepared. He'd even painted SS Seashell Jack on the side. The name the Brat kids had shouted at him over the years and he had adopted. Water rose rapidly. They were seaworthy. Without hesitation, he fired up the engine, crying when it purred. Seashell Jack wiped away the tears. He heard shouting and screaming, could smell burning, and then saw flames leap and lick at the mighty city. The water had destroyed the generators and fuel storage tanks. The seagulls flew overhead. Full ahead, full ahead, Captain Diesel boy. Seashell's, Seashell Jack's voice trembled with joy. His best friend barked, jumped into his lap, licked his face, and the pair sailed off into the sunset. So thank you for um thank you for listening to that um just bear with me i think i think what i'll do is you can hear me now with all the things i i think i'll just share i'll just share a couple of poems with you because while i've been looking in the studio um should have three short stories and these are it's the the only reason I'm going to sort of share these are because I think I think they are fitting for the sort of theme of of the short stories, and it's um, 
I'm thinking about this with the short stories and, and people's people's eyes and what people's eyes sort of hold and the wells into the souls and um, you know that sort of thing. So we'll finish off with a couple of poems, and this one is Deja Vu Eyes, and this was actually written <coughs> um, whilst I was going down to um, travelling down to Manchester from Leeds, Leeds to sunny Manchester on the train. <coughs> it goes like this. Your eyes, a gateway, deep wells of emotion, running with waters of life from when you first loved. Your eyes, your eyes tell, feel. Your eyes do not lie, they long. Your eyes strip bare. Your eyes desire nakedness. Eyes replace words, difficult conversation. Eyes guide, eyes replace, eyes respond when claws are peeled, eyes excite when fingertips caress and feel. Eyes digest suggestive curves. Eyes die. I'm going to start that one again. I do apologise. Um, okay, déjà vu. Eyes. We'll start again. My apologies. Your eyes a gateway. Deep wells of emotion, running with waters of life from when you first loved. Your eyes, your eyes tell, feel. Your eyes do not lie, they long. Your eyes strip bare. Your eyes desire nakedness. Eyes replace words, difficult conversation. Eyes guide, eyes replace. Eyes respond when claws peel. Eyes excite when fingertips caress and feel. Eyes digest seductive curves. Eyes wide, eyes shut. Eyes wild with rhythmic pleasure. Eyes do not breathe heavily. Eyes do not sweat soaked. Eyes closed in climax. We never asked names. But we had those we had that deja vu feeling. We had those deja vu eyes. I do hope you enjoyed that one. And my apologies for uh, going back there. I do like to do the podcasts live and I do know that people um do mess about and edit it and this that, and the other, but I think it gives you um a sense of I'm actually recording it live. Okay. <clears throat> I'll finish with this one, and it's called The Taste of Your Kiss. It's, um, it's it, I've, I've penned a few poems, which I sort of call the um, film noir poems. Don't ask me why. We spent, um, we like to go down to London and taking a few of the sites and a few shows, and you're driving around, obviously, you know, you're either on the tube or you're in a cab, something like that, and sort of reading various um certain novels at the time and I sort of a few poems maybe set in the forties, fifties, um and that sort of classical era, having cocktails and in these lovely clubs and smoking and that, that sort of thing. Um and possibly with some uh, some femme fatale incident. And as I do I probably think this is where where that's come from. Um, and I have thought about um, 
I have thought about changing this one. Not changing this one, but maybe um, adding some music to this one in particular, and it might develop into a song. But let's see what you think. It's called The Taste of Your Kiss. I met you in a nightclub just after nine. You were sat at the bar, drinking a gin and tonic. Black dress, raven hair, curves in all the right places. A body that a man's eyes traces. I knew right there, it had to be you and me. The curves of your body, those wonderful jade eyes. Inviting smile, you hung around for a while. But it was always the taste of your kiss. Not much introduction was needed. Your fingertips walked and teased. Legs started at stilettos, right up to killer thighs. A glance at the clock signalled the time to go. When you touched my hand, smiled. God, what sexual secrets did you know? Feline footsteps across the dance floor had to be one of my all-time highs. The curves of your body, those wonderful jade eyes, inviting smile, you hung around for a while. But it was always the taste of your kiss. A taxi ride through the city of which I knew every inch. By the morning I wanted to say the same about you. I was like a schoolboy virgin all over once more. When you seduced and pleased between soft purple covers, touch, feel, kiss, caress, we were two wildcat lovers. I'll never forget the vision of a goddess when your dress fell to the floor. The curves of your body, those wonderful jade eyes, inviting smile, you hung around for a while, but it was always the taste of your kiss. You never tired, demanding endless pleasure, with an unquenchable thirst to ride all night. I rose many times before the sun reared its head, Glistening supple body, intoxicating lips. You set the rhythm when my hands gently held your hips. I'd found my Shangri-La be- be- between the sheets of your silk-lined bed. The curves of your body, those wonderful jade eyes. Inviting smile you hung around for a while. But it was always the taste of your kiss. Addicted to your taste, addicted to your scent, love drugged, addiction fueled by your kiss. A fool to fall in love because you've deserted me. No telephone number, no forward address. Gone without a trace. A nighttime panther like you. How come no one remembers your face? Now I'm the one at the nightclub drinking my own gin and tonic the curves of your body those wonderful jade eyes inviting smile you hung around for a while but it was always the taste of your kiss it was always the taste of your kiss inviting smile you hung around for a while but it was always the taste of your kiss And that is it. That is just about it 
for another podcast, another edition of the Writer's Bookshelf, presented by the Gingerlicious Company and hosted by myself, David Driver. Once again, thanks for listening and thanks for all your lovely comments and just keep spreading the word. And if you want to get in touch with me, Go to the website. My website is daviddriverauthor.com. It's www.daviddriverauthor.com and you'll find out me, find out a lot more about me and all the um, all, all the contact details are there. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram, telephone number, email, everything. So all I'm going to say is keep writing, keep writing short stories, novels, poetry and if you want to be a guest on the show please get in touch i've got some fantastic interviews lined up i've got a wonderful a world-renowned romantic novelist i'll be interviewing the gorgeous young lady i've got a fantastic guy from over from bradford that's going to absolutely wow you and i've got one of my good friends he'll he writes some fantastic poetry but i'll be going down to barnsley so the traveling bookshelf is back on the menu i've got to take a trip down to barnsley to see my good friend and also i've got in fact i've got another friend who lives all the way up in sunny south shields so the traveling bookshelf is on the menu keep spreading the word about the podcast take a look on my website and if you want to be want to be part of the show then please please do so and please get in touch take care and i will i will be i'll be speaking to you all next time and quite obviously you will be listening and like i say if you like what you have been listening to it's a writer's bookshelf podcast bye for now